Welcome to the Message Podcast from Church of the Nazarene. We invite you to subscribe for updates and new episodes. You can find us on most major podcast outlets. Visit cotnaz.org for more info. Our worship services stream weekly on Sundays at 9 a.m. on YouTube. You can also find our live stream at cotnaz.org. Our in-person service times are 9 and 10.30 a.m. We have a campus near Harrisonburg at 1871 Boyers Road. We also have a campus in East Rockingham at 414 South East Side Highway in Elkton. In addition, our Spanish-speaking campus meets on Sundays at 11.45 a.m. at that same 1871 Boyers Road location. Check out our website, cotnas.org, for more info. As we transition into our teaching portion today, uh, I want to begin with famous last words. Famous last words. Now, husbands in the room, I'm not necessarily talking about the famous last words, yes, dear, uh, that equate to long life and happiness for you. Uh, Those are important for many reasons, but uh, some other last words today, some other last words. Elvis Presley, let's start there. Uh, It's believed that he said, I'm going to the bathroom to read. And the king was gone. (laughs) How about this one? I have offended God and mankind because my work did not reach the quality it should have. That's Leonardo da Vinci. Mona Lisa. My work didn't reach the quality it should have. His beard certainly did. I did notice that. Winston Churchill uttered the last words, I am bored with it all. I'm bored with it all. Uh, When Harriet Tubman was dying in 1913, uh, she gathered her family around. They sang hymns together, and her last words were, Give my love to the churches. Tell the women to stand firm. I go to prepare a place for you. Last words of Jesus on the cross, it is finished. Stephen the first martyr there in Acts, he's being stoned to death by his accusers, and he cries out. His last words are, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Famous last words. Today, we're going to focus on the farewell words of the Old Testament, words that led or gave way to 400 years of silence from the Lord. And that's in Malachi, we read these words, remember the law of my servant Moses, the decrees, the laws I gave him at Horeb for all Israel. See, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of parents to their children and the hearts of children to their parents, or else I will come and strike the land with destruction." famous last words. Those are the last words of your Old Testament. Famous last words spoken to a people whose hard hearts had broken God's heart. In many ways, these last words uh, summarize the whole Old Testament for us. They summarize the law and the prophets. They call people to action through repentance and returning to the Lord. They call them to remember the words of the prophets and the words of warning and the words of judgment. And yes, they recall words of hope. 
words of hope. This morning, uh, we are going back to the minor prophets to conclude our series, but we have an eye towards the coming Advent season. Today, we finish up our teaching series in the minor prophets by studying the last words of a prophet named Malachi. Malachi, the way our Bibles are organized, Malachi literally gets the last word before the New Testament. We don't know a lot about the prophet himself. He, he really gives no genealogy, uh, no personal facts of himself. But we believe that, that Malachi was prophesying sometime after the children of Israel got to return from exile in Babylon and that they were somewhere around the 5th century B.C., uh, this means that chronologically within our series, Malachi is coming after the work of Jonah, Hosea, and Zephaniah. The book of Malachi recounts a, a familiar theme for us at this point in the series by recounting the people's unfaithfulness to God. And he does that through framing six disputes or six arguments, if you will. Uh, God will call out the people of Malachi's day. He calls out their sin and their rebellion, and, and they repeatedly deny or uh, 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 they accuse God in that argument. And these six arguments, they really show the heart of the people. They were demanding proof of God's love. God said, I love you, and they said, prove it. It's a dispute. It's an argument. The priests were not worshiping God in the temple correctly. They were dishonoring God by bringing uh, lamed and crippled sacrifices to the temple. Uh, the people were intermarrying with other nations, with the pagan uh, empires and, and worshipers, and uh, divorce was rampant, and the following of the, the new wives' religion was going on. They were forsaking their commitment to God and their family. Uh, people were unjust and unrighteous, calling good evil and evil good. The people were withholding tithes and offerings from the temple, and therefore it was falling into a state of disrepair while their homes were looking like Joanna Gaines style. Other than just a few the faithful remnant, other than the faithful remnant, the people had forgotten about God. And that's Malachi's world, the setting of the last words of the New Testament. As you read Malachi, it becomes clear that the people could not really discern the condition of their own heart. And I know what you might be thinking. Really? you got to be kidding me. Because we, we've studied all the prophetic warnings, all that God has done over these last couple weeks leading into this, and we, we go, like, how did they not get it? And I caught myself thinking that, but I also need to remember, before I get too critical of them, I need to reflect on my own life too, right? Because we do things like we see the steaming macaroni and cheese at Thanksgiving dinner. Piping hot, what do we do? Take a bite and burn our mouth. I know you did that this week. We don't learn. You got to be kidding me. You did that last year, right? I don't expect hands to go up for this one, but when we think about repeated lessons, how many people have gotten repeated speeding tickets? Yeah, I know who you are. You know who you are. You're kidding me. The first one wasn't enough? Lord, forgive me if I get one today. Have you ever felt God dealing with you? 
like wrestling with you a particular sin or a particular area of your life, and you, it just keeps coming and coming, a habit or an attitude, unhealthy relationship, and we just keep coming back there. You see, that's arguing with God. You see, I, and I, I've shared this story before, but like I've seen this in my journey. Like when I argued with the Lord for a year about my consumption of alcohol, like I, I would hear him say, you need to deal with this. I'm like, whatever, I don't have a problem. Right? We start disputing, start justifying. The Lord would say, it's got more of a grip on you than you think. You need to deal with it. Whatever, Lord, it's, it's just one or two a day. What's the big deal? You're addicted. Well, I'm not. You need to quit. I don't want to. Am I the Lord of your life or not? Okay, fine. I'll quit for 30 days and we'll see what happens. And friends, the end of that argument was that the Lord was right. He always is. He always is. You see, my arguments with God and your arguments with God are straight out of the book of Malachi. We push back, we argue, we deny, we justify ourselves. We have the same hard heart of the people of Malachi's day. It's the same thing. Sure, uh, it looks different today in 2023, but it comes from the same place. Sometimes I think it's hard for us to see uh, the benefit in studying these old prophetic books and why they matter to us today. Like, why would we spend four weeks right before Christmas doing this? But when we get right down to it, when we get right down to it, we can see the same things, the same heart conditions that the prophets are rebuking hundreds and thousands of years ago, that we see that same heart condition alive in us today. And what we've seen through this study is that God takes that seriously. He takes those arguments that stand off, that justifying of ourselves. He takes sin seriously. Friends, that's the message of the prophets and especially of Malachi. Let's turn to his work specifically in chapter 3. Uh, if you want to find Malachi, go to Matthew 1 and go back a page. Malachi chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. He says, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. But who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? For he will be like the refiner's fire or a launderer's soap. He will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver. He will purify the Levites and refine them like gold and silver. Then the Lord will have men who will bring offerings in righteousness. And the offerings of Judah and Jerusalem will be acceptable to the Lord as in the days gone by, as in former years. You see, the Lord here is pointing to a day of coming judgment, 
a day of coming judgment for his people, a, a terrifying day when he will come and deliver justice for those who have hardened their hearts, who have been arguing with him, who have refused to come under and into his relationship. And again, we see this theme again that there are and will be consequences for sin, that we are also promised within those consequences that there is another effect of God's coming, that there is a purifying element to His appearing, that His anger is not just punitive, it's restorative. God's desiring to purify and to cleanse, to deal with that hard-heartedness that has transcended hundreds and, yes, thousands of years of human history. God desires to deal with that heart condition. He's going to restore proper worship. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. He continues in verse 5 and 6. He says, so I will come to put you on trial. I will be quick to testify against sorcerers and adulterers and perjurers, against those who defraud laborers of their wages, who oppress the widows and the fatherless, and deprive the foreigners among you of justice. But they don't fear me, says the Lord Almighty. You see, on the day of judgment, we get a courtroom-type picture that we are given here, uh, that the Lord will be the plaintiff and the people will be the defendant. And God's going to make his case. He's going to state his case against those who have forsaken uh, their commitment to him and who have not fulfilled that call to love him and their neighbor. The day of the Lord. He continues, he says, I, the Lord, do not change. I, the Lord, do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. God takes sin seriously. The minor prophets have shown us that time and time again, but we see the heart of the Father looking back at generations of rebellion. He still says, return to me. His heart's desire for them is not their destruction, it's for their redemption and their restoring in relationship. And friends, that's his heart for you today. Restoration in relationship. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord. And that brings us to the famous last words of Malachi. He says, remember the law of my servant Moses. This is chapter 4, we, we jump down. He says, remember the law of my servant Moses, the decrees and laws I gave him. See, I, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the hearts of children to the parents, or else I will come and strike the land with total destruction. You see, the people that heard these famous last words, they, they had no idea 
They had no idea that it would be the last recorded word from the Lord for 400 years. 400 years. If you don't think that's a long time, how different is life today than when it was in 1623? Think about that. 1623 was 400 years ago. How different is life? You see, the Old Testament closes, uh, leaving the people uh, leaning over the banister of time looking into the future. And they've got two commandments. The last words give them two areas of emphasis, two areas of focus. Uh, they, they call them, uh, or these two commands are to carry them into that silence. First, remember the law. Remember the law. Uh, to take action in repentance. Remember that return to me, I will return to you. Remember the law. Take action. Remain faithful to me. And finally, a promise that a messenger would come. Elijah would, the, the Old Testament prophet, Elijah would appear again before the great day of the Lord in silence. 400 years of silence, no new prophecies, no recorded words from the Lord, only the command to remember, to wait, and to watch. And many people didn't. Many people didn't. We began our journey in the Minor Prophets a few weeks ago, uh, looking at the story of Jonah. Arguably, uh, one of the most popular Minor Prophets because we learn about the story of the great fish uh, at Sunday school, right? Uh, Jonah was a prophet indeed, uh, but he never really got the importance of that call or that office. He had a thing about arguing with God, didn't he? You see, he, he, was, he was a little different in the other prophets we studied in the sense that God called him to preach to a foreign nation rather than to the children of Israel. God used Jonah to save the people of Nineveh, and that kind of ticked him off. <laughs> it made Jonah mad that God would love his enemies, and that challenges us today when God loves our enemies. Next, we studied the story of Hosea, and worse than any episode of The Bachelor, Hosea was called to marry an unfaithful woman of the children of Israel, and through this marriage, God wanted to show how unfaithful, how the people of Israel were cheating on the Lord. God called Hosea to embody that through the marriage with and to a promiscuous woman. This was to be a picture of how God's people were really treating him. And Hosea was faithful, that happened, but the people of God just didn't get it. Their hard hearts refused to turn, and they kept right on cheating on God. And within a few years of the prophet Hosea, uh, the Assyrian Empire would come through the northern kingdom and devastate them, taking people into exile, into captivity, away from their home. And last week, we, we studied Zephaniah, and he was called to witness to people in Judah, the southern kingdom, and, and northern southern kingdom. After the unified kingdom of Israel, uh, the time of David and Solomon, there was a split. They kind of had a, a civil war of sorts, if you will. 
And so there was a northern tribe and a southern tribe. And so Hosea, he was prophesying to the north, and Zephaniah, his words were to the south of, in Judah. And, and he did not hold back declaring God's judgment that it was coming soon because of their rebellion. Friends, God's anger, as we read in uh, Zephaniah, God's anger was justified. God's people had been unfaithful to him for years, refusing to heed his warnings. And finally, God says, enough is enough. But the message of God's anger was that it would ultimately bring healing and restoration to those who would embrace him. But the people would not hear that message. And after seeing what happened to their cousins up north, they still would not repent. And about a hundred years after the northern kingdom was taken into exile, the southern kingdom was taken into exile by the nation of Babylon. Judah was devastated and taken away from their home. And friends, that's the exile. That period, it, it went on 70 years 70 years captive in another nation before God would grant them permission to return home. And as we find in Malachi, we're getting into his era, his time frame, the return. But what we see in Malachi is that being held captive in a foreign land basically changed nothing. It changed nothing. They served a 70-year sentence. Think about that. They served a 70-year sentence in Babylon only to get back home and pick right back up where they left off. Still just as hard-hearted, still just as rebellious, still arguing with the Lord. And friends, God takes that seriously. He wouldn't be good if he didn't. Because God understands the devastating power of sin in our lives. God warned the people for generations to turn. Turn from your evil ways. And prophet after prophet was rejected and tortured and killed by this rebellious people. Warning after warning, judgment finally came through the foreign nations, Assyria and Babylon. And God's anger was poured out and his heart was there, put on display, still inviting his people to return. Return to me. But they refused. And so here we come to Malachi, a nation of rebellious people refusing God. And these famous last words, it, it can seem like it, it's all over, right? The famous last words, remember the law, remember the prophets, and wait. And the clock began to tick. Four hundred years. But in a moment, in a moment, despite all that had gone before, the generations of warning, the unsuccessful exile, despite a rebellious and disobedient people, by His great grace, God intervened in a moment. The last words of the Old Testament give ways to the cries 
of the New Testament. Let's watch. shall call his name Emmanuel.
The message that the shepherds heard that night was that the wait was over. The wait was over. God was doing a new thing. But before we get to the story of the shepherds in the field that night, the voice that pierced 400 years of silence was the voice of an angel. Voice of an angel appearing to announce the coming of a messenger to fulfill the promise of Malachi. Luke 1, verse 16 and 17 says, He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before the Lord in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. These are the words of the angel spoken to Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist. The messenger come in the spirit and the power of Elijah to prepare the way of the Lord. You see, the famous last words of Malachi point to the messenger and the manger. God was doing a new thing. And we see, friends, that Christmas didn't come because we needed a holiday. It came because we needed a Savior. He changed everything for his people. And friends, he can change everything for you. Because you see, I, I believe today that some of us feel like we're on that banister of time at Malachi, right? Just leaning in. Waiting for something to be different. Leaning over with real hurts, real habits, hang-ups, things we've gone through year after year and just can't seem to get by. Friends, the answers in the manger. Maybe you feel like you're in the waiting today. Maybe you feel like it's just been so long. Will you hear the cry of the Lord today? Return to me. Return to me. Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you for the words of Malachi. Your faithful prophet, your faithful messenger that said, remember and wait. Lord, we thank you that you did not leave us just leaning over the banister looking ahead, wondering, would it ever be different? Can we ever do something to deal with the hard-hearted nature that we have? Lord, when you broke the silence, you said, I'm doing a new thing. And Lord, we thank you today that in Christ Jesus, you have made a way that, that we can be forgiven, that we can know new life, Lord, that we can deal with that hard-heartedness, God. That's really that you can deal with it. 
Lord, as we stand on the threshold of Christmas, may we hear your words return to me. Return to me. Lord, we thank you for the messenger and the manger today. Search our hearts today, God. May we be quick to repent, to trust in you. Thank you for Christmas. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening today. You can email us at info at cotnaz.org for any questions about our church. When you're done listening today, please subscribe to this channel for updates and new episodes.